in your life. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. Uh, I've been studying Hebrews pretty closely, and so that's why I'm preaching some messages from it and be <coughs> preaching more. Now let's all stand as we honor God's Word by standing. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and um, this is um, a verse that uh, I saw that was used on Facebook here this past week, and uh, but I'm, I'm going to be preaching on the verse also that was used. He says in the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, he says in the first verse, he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a, a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so, de- so doth easily beset us. <clears throat> let me get to this. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Gracious Heavenly Father, we again thank you for the day. Thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for your word, Lord. And I'm so thankful every day that that I, I have the time to study and have the time to uh, to to see what's what you've got for us in your word. You have so much there, Lord, so much that people need. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll help me to convey some of that today. Lord, take care of us, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The title of my message today is very simple. The title of my message is Looking unto Jesus looking unto Jesus now I know I hear this a lot Uh, this is what got me this title and and this message is I hear this a lot a lot of people I'm looking unto Jesus but do they always look unto Jesus that's why I ask a question at the beginning of here what is the most important thing in your life Not, not right now not today uh, what's the most important thing in your life, period? Uh, and um, so as, as I see this, you know, I, I see a lot, you know, looking unto Jesus. You know, there's some things that we need to realize when we talk about we're looking unto Jesus. You know, um, I, I've come to learn over the years that if Jesus helps us, and we know it's Jesus that helps us, then, uh, then we look to him. But if we come to the point in our lives to where maybe we're not being helped as we think we should, then we begin to question, why do I look to Jesus? Well, he gives us a reason here, not only looking unto Jesus, but looking unto other things, as he talks about there in the first verse. This first and second verse go together. You can't, you, you, you can't uh, look at one without looking at the other because they go together. Now, we find ourselves many times into temptations, into trials, and even sin, which has a tendency to bring up on us 
a lot of agony. Now, we, we don't realize it, uh, how much agony sin brings up on us. Now, and, and, and I'm going to tell you one of the easiest things in the world to do today is sin. That's an easy thing to do. It's so easy to do. It's so easy. It's, it's just something that, that just is, is a part of our life. Is, is being faced with, with sin. And, and so you're going to find out during this message that the Lord tells us to be sure and categorize what is the most important sin in our life that we have. What is the most important sin in our life that we have? I could tell you mine, but I'm not going to. Uh, but what is the most important sin in our life? And so I, I do want you to think about that also. God has supplied us with many witnesses which have gone before us to look to for help in enduring all the agony that comes in our lives. He's given us a lot of people to look to. I heard it said one time several years ago that our forefathers lived in a different age and at a different time that it is impossible to look to them for our modern help. You know, forefathers can't help us in our modern help. I, I, so many times I've had people tell me, well, you know, you, you preach about the past, but uh, what about the future? We, uh, You know, I've had people tell me, well, Brother Paul, we live in the 21st century. And, and but I, I'm going to say this. We do live in the 21st century. But the Bible hadn't changed. Those that we're to look to, look back at and look to, they, that hasn't changed. God, God put this in the Bible not only for them, but also for us. Even today, even here in the 21st century, there, <laughs> we need to look back to some of the things uh, in the past. When we see the teaching in this message... We will know that it is a great help to look and see how those who went before us dealt with such trials and temptations. Now, how did they deal with them? That's the thing we need to look at. How did they deal with them? Not, not how we deal with them, but how did they deal with them? And, and um, some, some of these made some great sacrifices. They made great sacrifices in their life when they were faced with temptations, and when they were faced with trials in their life, some of them made great sacrifices because of that, because of, uh, of that agony that comes because of that. It was James who said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Or you can also put the word test. Divers' temptations or the testing that comes in our lives every day. You know, God God deals with us every day. You know, the, the, maybe the next step we take is going to be that step that, uh, that God is directing us in a way that maybe we need to look, for, look to him. We have to look to him. But it's sad to say that a lot of people will run other places and do other things, run to other people, 
who the Bible doesn't tell us to look to those people. It tells us, it tells us there's a great cloud of witnesses out there. And, and it tells us we're to look to them. James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations or testing. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So it's, it's deliberate. The trying of your faith is deliberate. It's not anything that, that you've done that has brought it on. It's not anything that you've said has brought it on. It's not any kind of anything you've done in your life that's brought it on. It's a trial. You know, Job never done a thing, but boy, he suffered some terrible trials in his life. And, and who did Job look to? What did Job look to when, when he suffered his? You know, Job, for some of you that don't understand the book of Job or maybe never read it, Job lost all of his family. He lost all of his wealth. And he lost his health all at the same time. All at the same time, one right behind the other. If you study the book of Job, one of, one of the servants comes to him, and, and they say, well, you know, uh, they say a great wind came and a, a great storm came and killed all your children. Right immediately after that, another one comes in and says, uh, says your, your stock, what you have has been, the, the Chaldeans have come in and they've taken every bit of it. It's all gone. You've lost it all. And, and then, then they come back right after that and then, Job is stricken with boils from the top of his head to bottom his feet. Now, how did Job deal with it? Job's wife, Job's wife gave him an answer. Job, if Job had gone to his wife, you know what her answer would have been? Curse God and die. But sometimes, sometimes we go in the wrong direction. Sometimes we take the we take the short route, and we just say in our heart, "Well, we'll look to Jesus, and then we'll let it go from there." But let me tell you, folks, there's a lot to it. He says, "Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that we may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing." You know, have patience. That's, that's something we don't have today. You know, we, we want it. We want it now. We, we don't, we don't, if we get sick, we want healing right now. I've, I've often said that. You've heard me say this many times over the years. That I've always prayed to God, God, I'm, I'm ready to go, but I don't want to suffer. Sometimes we have to endure suffering. Sometimes we have to we have to endure it and, and we have to realize it, that the suffering is going to come and trials are going to come and testings are going to come and, and temptations are going to come. He says, if any lack wisdom, that's during this time, during this time that, that, that you have right now, if any lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally an upbraided nod, and it shall be given him. Now, how important is wisdom? 
How important is wisdom? You know, there's not many wise people in the world. You know, uh, uh, Solomon was said to be one of the wisest men who was ever born a woman. And, and so the fact is that what, what will wisdom do for us when we're in trials, we're in temptations? What will, what, what will wisdom do for us? Well, when we realize that we've got to have patience, then that's where wisdom has to kick in. Because we have to, we have to understand and we have to know what would God have us to do next. What would God have us to do next? If you wake up in the morning with the same thing, what would God have us to do next? Well, what would be the next thing to do? And that's where wisdom kicks in at. What would be the next thing to do, you know? Get up all angry and all upset and all to pieces or get up and say, Lord, maybe tomorrow things will be better. They're not better today, but maybe tomorrow they'll be better. Well, they don't get better that day. Well, you wake up the next morning, you still got the same thing, same problem. Well, may, maybe things will be better, and they're not better for that day. Maybe things will be better for the next day. That's what he's talking about when he says patience. Have patience. You've heard the old cliche, well, I can stand on my head that long. And, uh, and, but, but, you know, there's a lot of things you can endure that's coming from God that uh, you don't realize you can endure them. You just need the wisdom to understand them, wisdom to understand why it's coming. Now, the text that we use in today begins with, therefore, seeing we also are compassed about. Now, when you look around you, you're compassed about many things. E even right now, what are you compassed about right now? Jesus Christ is right here today. He's here. I'm, I'm convinced that Christ is right here with Landmark Baptist Church every time we meet. I'm convinced that he's right here. And, and, and I'm convinced that, uh, uh, that we're compassed about. The Israelites were compassed about with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fiery cloud, a, 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 a period of fiery cloud by night. That, that, that fireball they saw was just the same cloud. It was the same cloud, but it was just one that turned fiery looking at night. In the daytime, it was a, just a simple Beautiful cloud. Nighttime, it was a fiery ball of fire that led and directed them. And the Lord told them, this is something, this is wisdom. The Lord told them, he said, when it moves, you move. He told them at nighttime, he says, when that fiery ball moves, you move. When it stops, you stop. I've heard Brother Sam pray many times over the years. Brother Sam said, Lord, don't let us get out ahead of you. I don't think he said them quite like that, but but he said, Lord, don't let us get out ahead of you. 
Sometimes that's what we try to do. We try to get out ahead, ahead of him to fix things in our life that he's planning on fixing. We just won't have patience and wait on him. They had the pillar of fire by night. God doesn't leave his children without help in the time of need. Never, ever does he ever do that. He never leaves his children in a time of need. He never leaves them. He never forsakes them. He says, I will always be with you. I will always be, be with you when it comes a time of need. The scripture goes on to say, to record, so great a cloud of witnesses. That's also in verse 1. So great a cloud of witnesses. Some translators use this word martyrs instead of witnesses. All around us are many helps, and there are those in the old days who dealt with trials such as Moses did. And I'm not, I don't have time to go back to the 11th chapter. You've got to go back and study the 11th chapter is what he's talking about here. That cloud of witnesses, that's what he's talking about here. I once taught this wrong, but the Lord has since taught me right the correct thing about it. I once taught that that cloud of witnesses were those that have, are in heaven today, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about those that have gone on before us. Talking about those that we have, we have the great blessing of looking back to. How did Job handle his situation? How, how did all of those Old Testament patriarchs handle their situation? Well, how did Moses handle his situation? He says, by faith, Moses, when he has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Oh, if I just had more money, things would be for great. How many times have I heard this? How many times have I said, that even some of you, that I've said, well, you know, so-and-so is going to be making a lot of money. Well, money is not important. It's not. Money is not important. Some of the greatest work that God's ever done is for people who were poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see the Lord. That's what Jesus said. Those in Hebrews 11 were given for us to study and to follow. See, how, how, they, how did they deal with it? How did Moses deal with it? How did Rahab deal with it? How, how did uh, 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 all those Old Testament patriarchs deal with it? Well, Hebrews 11 will tell us how they dealt with it. How they had patience, how they had faith, how they waited for the time to come. Moses, Moses would have been the next Pharaoh of Egypt if he'd have stayed with them. Because his time was coming up. 
But what did he choose to do? He chose to go back in with a people that were already afflicted. What's wrong? What's wrong with us choosing to go back in with somebody in their affliction and their trial? What's wrong with that? You, I've heard people say, well, it's, that's not important for you, but it is important because they did it. They, they went right into there because Moses knew at that particular time the wisdom taught him that it was more important for him to be with God's people, though they were afflicted, for them to be with God's people than for him to remain where he was. That's why I asked a question this morning, what is the most important thing in your life? You know what most people deep down in, in their hearts going to say? That everything's all right with me. That's the most important thing in my life. You know, you get sick, most important thing in your life is to get well. You get into some trial or some something of your life, most important thing for me right now is to get it fixed. Well, Moses had it made. He didn't have to go back and, 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 and suffer with a people that were already afflicted, was suffering affliction. He didn't have to do that, but he did. Those in Hebrews 11 were given us to study and to follow. And believe, believe it or not, listen to this, believe it or not, there are those of our own day who was and are great witnesses to follow. Oh, I, I don't like him, so I'm not going to follow him. Why, why, why don't I like him? Because it seems like he never has any problems. Maybe that might be a good person to follow. It might be a good person to, 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 to follow because, you know, if he's saved and he's not having any problems, he must be doing things right. He must be doing things right. Happy all the time. Joyful, joy all the time in their life. That might be somebody to say, well, why are they like this? Present-day people, present-day people. There are present-day people to look to. There's people right sitting in here right today that it would do us good if we would just look to them and see how they operate and what they do. No, we're too pride, too much pride to do that. We have too much pride to look to somebody else besides maybe a family member. We have too much pride to look at somebody who would be considered a stranger to us. No, that's too much pride. Too much pride. A lot of Christians today go through the water and the fire of afflictions. We sing the song about that. A lot of Christians today go through that. A lot of Christians today, it just, it's, uh, it's one of those things. I, I had a call last night from a young man who, from Kentucky, and, and he, he was, 
he was talking to me and he said, right now, he said, things up until, he said, today, up until today, he said, things wasn't very good in my life. But he said, something happened today that I've been praying about and praying about for a long time. He said, it happened today. And he said, I'm thankful to God that, that God took care of it. First thing he said when I answered the phone, he said, I'm a happy man. I'm a happy man today. And he, he, went, he proceeded to tell me what had happened that made him happy today. God took care of some of his problems. God took care of some of his problems. Because God has left the evidence of those who have gone before us, he challenged us to, when we see that and understand that, he challenged us to lay aside every weight and the sin was just so easily beset us. What is the sin that so easily beset us? What is your sin that easily besets you? What is your sin that gets you all carried off? Because you don't get your way? Because things aren't exactly the way you want them? Is that the sin that so easily besets you? Is it the preaching of, of Brother Paul that so easily besets you? That you will say, well, I, I don't want him to know what I'm doing. I don't want him to know where I'm going. I don't want him to know what my life is like. Because I may have preached something years ago that upset you. Listen, folks, what is the sin that so easily beset you? He said, lay that sin aside. You got to, you got to go, now you got to start figuring. You got to start having patience in your life and figuring out what is that sin that so easily besets me? What is that sin that, that I realize that I shouldn't be doing, but I just have too much pride to do what I should do? What is that sin? Let me, say, let me tell you this. This is not a suggestion. This is not innuendo. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which do, which do us so easily beset us is not innuendo. I don't even know what innuendo is. That's a suggestion. That's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. This is a command. This is what the Lord tells us to do, to lay aside that sin. Every one of us in life, we have a sin that besets us. We have a sin that starts mangling, messing with our senses. We go and commit it anyway. I do it, you do it, and everybody does it. What is that sin that so easily besets us? I learned a long time ago what, long time ago what mine was. And I'm trying my best, I'm trying my best to lay it aside. I had to, I had to really, I guess you could say, really get on somebody this past week. Or, yeah, I believe it was this past week. The man that always is running down to that Mark Baptist Church. I told him, I said, I would appreciate it if you would mind your own business 
You go to a church in Vidalia, you mind your own business when it comes to Landmark Baptist Church. And guess what he did? He said, I appreciate you telling me that. He said, it's not any of my business. It used to upset me when he'd talk about Landmark Baptist Church, talk about some of you people. Until we do lay aside those burdens and those terrible sins, we will fall down in the race. They're going to slow you down. It's going to slow you down. You're going to slow down in the race. And you're going to get behind. Well, what was it? Uh, the fox and the, and, and the turtle? What was it? The hare and the turtle or something like that? The hare just took off running as hard as he could run. And the turtle just walked real slow. Guess who got to the finish line first? Not the one that was... Not the one that was tore up over whether he's going to get there first or not, but the one who was persistent in his life. That turtle walked across that line first. You know, we, we're going to fall. We're going to fall back if we if we don't get to get rid of some of these things we have in our life. We're, I don't mean sweep them under the rug. I mean have pride and realize to ourselves that this is sin that besets us. And causes us problems. Once we fall down in the race, it will be very difficult to get up and get caught up again. Brother Sam's been in the military. He knows. You know, you had certain things you had to do in a certain time. And boy, you 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 worked hard not to be one first one to fall out. Because if you ever fell out, you never got caught up. What you got when you fell out was you had a, a, a sergeant, drill sergeant looking over you, cussing you up one side and down the other. Why did you fall out? What's wrong with you? Why can't you run? Can't you go? What's wrong with you? You never get caught up. What did they call it? Bogey or something? What was that, Brother Sam, they called it? You don't remember? That's what they, that's what they, that's what they named you when you fell out of the race. They, they named you. It was you, you, got in, you got in with a group or something. I forget what they call them, bogeys or something like that. And you were listed with that group. You don't want to be listed with that group. You don't want to be listed with that group that falls out of the race. And then tries to get back in it, falls out there, tries to get back in it tomorrow. You, you're not going to get back in it. It takes a lot of patience to run the race the Lord has put us in. We don't want to meet the Lord with those burdens and those sins. And especially if you're lost today, you don't want to meet the Lord with your sins. You don't, you don't want to meet the Lord with your sins. You, you, you want to have those sins taken care of, and we're, and we're going to talk about that right now. The next part of this message, he says, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What's the best example was left to us in this world? That was Jesus. He only, he, only, he only lived here on the earth three and a third years, but his life was worth following. It's still worth following today. You, you don't have to follow me. You don't, you don't even have to like me. But Jesus' life is worth following. You've heard me say this many times over the years. If your toes are not touching his heels, then you're too far behind. You're too far behind. You're behind and you'll never get caught up until you're willing to put those sins aside that so easily beset you. I know people like to do things. I know they do. Rhonda told me here a while back, she was talking about she, she missed going to the beach. and She said, I, I don't know why you don't care nothing about going. The beach was not one of my great sins, but I still don't care nothing about going. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Notice our faith. Our faith. Our faith. If it wasn't for Jesus going to God, Golgotha's hill and dying on the tree of Calvary, we would have no faith to look to Jesus for our deliverance. You always look back at the tree of Calvary. Now, I call it a tree. Now, you probably understand a little while, in just a little while, why I do that. The tree of Calvary. Looking back at that tree, looking back at what Jesus did. My father, he right up to the moment he died. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken. He hang there between heaven and hell. Hang there on that tree between heaven and hell, and he was forsaken by his own father. You'd be surprised at people that will forsake you. They will forsake you. That may be your sin that you need to straight now. If somebody teaches you something right and says something right, you need to accept it as being loving, loving, suggestions or loving things loving correction now look at this why is this let me say this he is only suitable he is the only suitable one who can help us and he wants us to look at him why why does he want us to look at him I want you to look at these who for the joy the joy, now this is in the, it's what we just read to you. Who for the joy that was set before him. Man, he, he went to his death 
with joy. He didn't go to his death all perplexed and, and saddened and, and, and wore down. Boy, they, they, nobody nobody has ever lived on the earth was, was ever hated as much as Jesus was. He even told his disciples, he said, you're not hated people. He said, people only, they don't hate you, they hate me. A hated man, despised man, one that people sought to kill him, sought to take his life before the time. He told them one time when they was going to take his life, he said, it's not my time to go yet. But with joy, with joy, he walked toward that tree of Calvary. He walked toward that tree of Calvary. He didn't do it with any agony. He didn't do it with any any, any uh, 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 crying and going on. And this is not fair. Not fair that I have to do this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Cross here means the burden. He endured the burden, the burden for us. He endured the burden for us. The Bible says when he took up his cross. He's not, that's not talking about a, a something with a, two pieces of wood nailed together. That's talking about a burden. He took up his burden. And with joy he took it up. With joy he took up his burden for us. Now you'll say, well, was it was it that terrible? He says, despising the shame. Despising the shame of it. it. For people to walk by you and just shake their heads. People, they walk by him and they look up at him and they just shake their heads. Why? He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do the things he did. He doesn't have to do that. Even one of the, even one of the thieves that hang next to him told him, said, man, you haven't done anything wrong. He said, said, said Take, get down from here. And what else did he say? Take us with you. But he enjoyed what he done. And if you go, if you go read the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, the father enjoyed what he done. Boy, why can't you look to him? Why can't you say, how does someone go to their death with great joy? Look at the Apostle Paul. Paul went to his death with great joy. They, they, they warned him. They said, don't go there because they're going to kill you. I'm just paraphrasing. But he told them, he says, I have no choice. I have to go there. Just say to yourself, I have no choice. I have to accept what God gives me. You wouldn't have. You wouldn't have a trial. You wouldn't have a temptation. You wouldn't have any problems in life if God didn't give them to you. Must realize that. Despising the shame. And right this very second is sitting down on the right hand of the throne of God. Making intercession for who? A sorry people. 
saying, Lord, I know they should do this. Now, I know, Father, I know they should do this, but just remember this, I died for them. That's what it means, intercession. No one has ever been tested and tried as Jesus. He is right this minute, right this second, listen, out there, lost person, he is among us right now. The Bible says, call upon the Lord while he's near. He's here. He's here right now. I know he's here. Because I know he's leading me and directing me right now in this message. I know he's here. And I know if if you're lost today, it's time for you to call up on him because he's near. He's right here. Whatever problem you've got, call up on him right now and ask him to take care of that problem. And let me tell you, if you're lost today, you've got a great problem. You have a great problem. He is right right. He is right here this minute among us and waiting to commute our sentence. Something that our sorry lives don't hasn't earned. He's ready to commute our sentence. What is your sentence today if you're uh, if you're lost? Your sentence is a eternity in hell. What is my sentence if I don't get rid of those things that so either besets me? My sentence is I'm going to fall down in the race, and when the Lord comes back, he's not going to be pleased with me. May God bless you today. It's my prayer that Brother Reggie and Sister Carmen.